My name is Keith Cowart, lead pastor of Christ Community, and each week I or one of our pastors will bring a message that we pray will stir your heart. We believe that God is the source of life and truth and that His Word is one of the primary means through which we make that vital connection with God. It's our hope that whether you're already a believer or just beginning to open your heart to God, that the truth of His Word would point you to Him. He came that you would have life and that more abundantly. Well, good morning to you this morning. I see everybody made it through um, Thanksgiving and the following on days pretty good. Everybody have a good Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah, yeah, good. A lot to be thankful for, yes? Amen? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I want to greet you this morning um, as we begin a new year. And you say, well, wait a minute. Well, I'm talking about the Christian calendar year. This is a new year. This is actually, in the Christian calendar, the first day of the year. The first day of what we call Advent. Advent. A-D-V-E-N-T. Advent. A day in which we celebrate for the next four Sundays, this, this Sunday included, as we prepare, as we get ready for, as we anticipate, as we wait on the day that we celebrate when God broke through and entered into our lives through his son, Jesus Christ. Can you believe it? It's just a few weeks away. 2015 is fast coming to an end, but we start this new year today. We start this Advent season, a season I love the song selection. And, and again, you know, I, I'm just telling you, I, I wish... I wish you knew the impact of being able to come in here with God giving me this word, laying this word on my heart to preach and coming in and listening to these songs because I couldn't have asked. I couldn't have planned for a better meshing together of worship in the word this morning. Because it is, and, and, and the Jones family for, for getting us, bringing us to a call to worship by, by lighting the Advent candle as we have the wreath here. And we thank the Jones family for that each Sunday for the next three Sundays, we will have a family that will light, that, light another candle and give us another short devotional to bring us into this place of remembrance, of anticipation, of waiting, of hope. This beginning of the year, you know, it's, it's, it's the season that we're in when, when the nights start to creep up on us faster and faster and the temperature hopefully will get a little cooler as we go. But it reminds us of how this darkness in the world and darkness, darkness in our lives. And we're in need of a savior. And despite the world's attempt of speeding everything up and making everything chaotic and making everything a frenzy, we want to take time and we want to stop and we want to pause. And I just so appreciate the worship. It's quieter, a little slower to cause us to remember, to wait on him. My message title is pretty simple. It simply says, he is near. That's the message title. He is near. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to Luke, the gospel according to Luke, uh, we're going to be dealing with Luke 1st chapter 5 through 25, and we'll get there in a minute, but he is near. And you know, I, I must say that 
we especially look forward to this season because if we're not careful, you know, it started the day after Thanksgiving. We get into this mode where it seems like he's very far away because we're so caught up in the frenzy and the excitement of the consumerism of our nation that we will forget that's all about him if we're not careful. So we want to spend a few minutes just kind of unpacking Luke's approach to this gospel story. And we find this in Luke chapter 1. And before we begin, let's talk about this Advent. Advent simply means coming. Coming. And, and the beauty of it, God's word, it comes to us in different ways. And, and this morning, we're going to be looking at the three comings of Christ. His arrival in history as a baby born of Mary. His return at the end of times. And his intermediate entrance in our own lives. Now, I believe, I believe with all my heart that God can connect these scriptures to all three of those comings almost at the same time. But we have to really surrender ourselves in order for him to accomplish that. So let us pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for this continuation of worship. Father, we thank you for this day that in which you, I believe, with all my heart, you set aside for us to begin a process to where we can wait on you and we can be reminded that you are near. So, Father, I just pray that each head is bowed and hearts are open. Holy Spirit, have your way this morning. Speak to us collectively, individually, in Jesus' name. Amen. Advent. Advent. Advent cultivates the difficult discipline of waiting. Waiting. Man, I say the word and I start getting nervous. Waiting. <laughs> Waiting. You know, beauty of the holiday season, you know, we go, anybody go out of town for Thanksgiving? Show of hands, anybody go out of town? Anybody had visitors from out of, out of town in your home Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we got a chance to go home to Mississippi. And um, this waiting, this, as I was preparing, I was thinking about that word waiting, and I got to thinking about our trip. You know, we, we, I remember the days when waiting for us would be like, are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? Are we there yet? You know, but it's changed in our household now. Our children are older. Now it's turned to when we leaving, when we leaving, when we leaving, you know, because they all have things they want to do back here. But whether it's can't wait to get there or can't wait to return, it's that word waiting. The word hit me when we were after Thanksgiving, you know, that day, what do they call that day after Thanksgiving, that Friday? I said the first service, people didn't act like I knew what I was saying, so I thought maybe I said it wrong, but it's what? It's Black Friday. You know, we, we participated that this year, went out with the family. We had a great time, wonderful time. But I remember sitting in the car, watching, waiting for everybody to come back. I had been in and got my stuff, and I don't think I didn't go. But I, I, I took bags back to the car, and I was sitting in the car, and I, I remember sitting there in this parking lot at this outlet mall in Jackson, Mississippi, and watching all these people. And all these cars, 
and all these bags. And I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, God just kind of reminded me, aren't you glad you can just sit still for a minute and just remember that I am near? I'd almost forgotten it because, you know, as soon as we get back in the car, it's off to another place, and you get back into the rat race. But it's that moment, and that's what we hope to accomplish. That's what we hope that God will accomplish in us as we meet these next Sundays. Because I believe he really wants to do a work in all of us to slow us down, to get us to see him in his glory, and for him to be near to us once again. So we're, we're using Luke's account of the gospel story, like I said before, and we're going to pick up in verse number five. It reads as follows. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. That's a lot in that passage of Scripture. We start at the very beginning when we get the identity of the, of the people in this story. We start at verse 5 in the days of King Herod. First of all, King Herod. In the days of King Herod, we're talking about the Jewish people. Luke is writing about them. He's writing about getting us prepared for the coming Messiah. And he begins at the fifth verse. In the days of King Herod. And, and as we think on this, we, we kind of lose it now. But we know from other accounts, King Herod. This is the one who killed all the boys as he was trying to eliminate the Messiah. This is the one that ruled a government that was oppressive to the Jewish nation. So it was in these days, in these days, and he says there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron. So these were, this was a priest and his wife. And of all people, it seems like, and it goes on to say that they both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. They were good, upstanding people. The remnant that was still praising and worshiping God and obeying his commands. These are the people that we're talking about. But then we find out just another verse over. But of all people, they had no children. Because Elizabeth could not conceive. And both of them were well along in years. So this is the situation. This is their reality. I pause here. And I want us to engage. You remember we said that we, one of the comings of Christ is that he's going to invade in our own personal lives. And I invite you to let him in because see some of us, we are dealing with things, situations. That, that it seems like would never come about. Maybe it is a child. I look at people in this room who one day, who not long ago, that was their cry, that was their prayer. And I'm looking at people right now, as I look around here, that now they have not only one, but maybe some have two. I know, I know one couple have three or four children now. Three going on four children. And one day, they were, they were like this. 
So these are the people. Elizabeth. Elizabeth and Zechariah. You know, it's worth noting that Zechariah's name actually means God is remembered. Elizabeth's name means oath of God. So let's go further and listen more in this story. We pick up in verse 8. When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. Hold right there. Go go back. Hold right there. Now, now again, it's hard for us today to really grasp what the impact of those words are. When his division was on duty, first of all, there were 24 divisions, all coming from the tribe of Levi. And, and I, I've read estimates anywhere from 12,000 to 20,000 priests, because priests at that time, during this time, they were born into the priesthood. If you're born into that tribe, you were a priest, whether you liked it or not. You were, this was your duty. And, and there were so many that they had to cast lots on days to decide who was going to be serving in the sanctuary. Remember, only the priest could go into the sanctuary. Everyone else was outside praying, and the priest would go in and intercede on behalf of the people. And Zechariah, on this particular day, he was chosen by lot, by lot, by casting of lots. And you say, well, that's kind of luck. No, God was all in that. It was God who ordered the lots. He had a plan. But before we go any further, I, I want you to see something because if you, if you have Luke, turn back to Matthew in your Bible. Turn back to Matthew in your Bible. Go to Matthew 1.1. Okay? Now, everybody got Matthew 1.1? Do you have Matthew 1.1? Can you find Matthew 1.1 in your Bible? Beginning of the New Testament, okay? See, I want to show you the impact of what was going on here. Look to the left of Matthew. Either turn the page back or just look. In my Bible, all I got to do is look. This is Matthew right here. I look on this page right here. And what do I see? What do you see? Just one page back. In most Bibles, there will be a blank page. How many people have a blank page? All right. Look at that blank page. This is the reality of the people at this time. Because, see, that blank page is just like they were experiencing only. They weren't experiencing it for a moment like we are. They, were, they had experienced it for 400 years. For 400 years, they had heard no word from God. There was no prophet declaring, thus says the Lord. There was no writing saying that this is the writings of the, of the Lord. Nothing. No word at all had come forth. For 400 years, God's people had been in exile from one place to another, overcome by this group and this group. And for 400 years, they heard not a word from God. But yet, we pick up in verse 8, and we find Zechariah was on duty, and he was serving as a priest, and getting ready to do what he was supposed to be doing in the sanctuary. I want to pause here and say this because, see, sometimes we go through spells like that, not 400 years, but maybe for a couple of years. Some of us, maybe for 10 years or more. And it's something that's in our lives that we've been going to the Lord for, trying to get an answer to, and we've heard nothing. We can't get an answer. Situation hadn't changed. It looks like I might just need to give up and it's going to remain the same. And for that period of time, we've been going through that. And we've been going through that. And I just want to say, be encouraged. Because here today, we, we see a couple that are on two fronts. One for their country, for their people. 400 years. And on the other front, for them personally, didn't have a child and now they were old in age. 
But yet we see that Zechariah is still worshiping the Lord. I want to encourage us, no matter what the situation might be, no matter how discouraged you might become, no, how, no matter how much you may think God does not hear your prayers, do not give up because he is near. He is near. So we, we, we continue on. Now, at the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. And then look what's happened. Look what happens. Remember now, 400 years of silence for the people? All of their lives together for Zechariah and Elizabeth. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and overcome with fear. Every time we see in the Bible that an angel shows up, we know it's followed by the people were overcome with fear. But it would seem to me that Zechariah of all people would have been elated, would have been, oh, now finally, 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 because the angel, the angel begins to talk to him. If we pick up on, let me read to you verse 13 through 17. I don't have it on the overhead, but I, I, but I have it here in the Bible and you do as well. So follow with me there. Look, look what the angel says to him. He's overcome with fear, but what does the angel say to him? The angel says, start in verse 13. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go before him in the power and spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children to, and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. What great news. What a great proclamation. What a great revelation that Zechariah gets in this temple, going about his daily business, doing what he is called to do, despite the circumstances of his country, of his nation, and of his own family. And the angel himself appears. And it would seem like that would have been enough to say, okay, God has finally answered my prayer. He told him that God, because your prayer has been heard. But this is where it takes a kind of funny turn. Because look at Zachariah's response. How can I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Such a curious response from a priest, from people who the Bible says were righteous and were blameless. You know, as I read that, God kind of reminded me. You know those tough things that you're dealing with, Derek? You know those situations that seem like they're impossible, that look like never would get better or never come about? I'm talking about those situations right there. Yeah, you go to church every Sunday and 
you preach from time to time and you lead Bible studies and you do this and do that, but don't be so quick to shake your head at Zechariah. Where have you given up? Where have you lost hope? Where have you stopped praying? Where have you given in? Where have you just accepted the sin of the world just the way it is? That's what he was asking me now. I don't think he was asking none of y'all that, but he was asking me. And I began to look at this in a whole new light. I mean, he had reasons. He said, I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. Well, the response wasn't a great one for Zechariah. Look how the angel responded. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. See, it wasn't a matter of just questioning because, see, I don't, believe, I don't believe that God gets angry with us by questioning. It's the motive behind the questioning that gets us in trouble. The angel told him clearly, because you did not believe my words. So he would be silent and unable to speak. Going back to the thing about, well, okay, Derek, are you saying I shouldn't ask questions of God? I shouldn't question. I mean, it's been a long time. I mean, my child been in that situation for years. And, and you know, I talked to him, and he, he seems like he's, he's repentant. He seems like he's trying to get his life together. When is it going to come to an end? When is that, you know, my wife has been sick. You know, I mean, you know, it just seems like it's... I want to make sure you understand now, God answers, his, answers our prayers according to his will and according to his plan and according to his love for us. So, so sometimes we can slip into that where we think it ought to come out like I think it ought to come out. But, but you know, God is at work. He is near. It, doesn't, it may not appear. It may not seem like. It may seem like he's distant. It may seem like he's disconnected. But we have to believe. We have to hold on to the truth that if we are a child of God, God is near. God is near. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. Don't stop pursuing. Don't stop crying out. God is near. He is working behind the scenes on our behalf, on your behalf. But if we're not careful, we'll just let it all go. You know, I can show you where he doesn't have a problem with us asking the questions. You know, just, just a couple, just a page over. You know, Gabriel... This was the angel that was talking to, to um, Zachariah. He left there and he goes to visit Mary. Mary asked the angel a question. How can this be? Since I have not been intimate with a man. He's, he's talking about that this young teenage girl, a virgin, was going to have the savior of the world. She asked the question. But her question was more of, how, how is this going to happen? Zachariah's response is more of, this can't happen. Do you see the difference? And there is a difference. You know, look at what happens as, as, as um, we move on with Zachariah's situation. Well, first of all, the response to Mary. When, when Mary asked that question, you know, the angel replied to her, 
verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her own old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. So he gave her the answer to her question. He gave Zechariah a response to his question. In response that he needed to be silent. Listen and be silent. You know, I think it's a good time to interject this right here. For some of us, we, we, we've, we've kind of let go of what God promised us. Whether it be that that he tells us clearly in his word or that he's given us through revelation. And because it hadn't come to pass, we just said, oh, it must not be so. Or we can find ourselves in a situation that we know as a child of God, God, I know this is not the best you have for me. I know this is not, this is not the final. And instead of continuing to press and believe in God, to believe that he is near, that he has not abandoned us, we just give in and settle it for it. What... Where are you in all of this? What, what is it that you need God to show up in your life for? What is it that you've given up and lost hope in? I believe that God has assembled us this morning because he wants to give a reminder that only he can give to us to encourage us and to tell us stay true stay firm in the faith don't give up the faith I mentioned earlier that I had gone home for we had gone home for Thanksgiving and, and uh, one of the joys of Thanksgiving was to be there sitting with my father who was finally home from the hospital after having you know five bypasses at seven eight years of old, years of age and there he was, you know, sitting and enjoying dinner with the family. And, and the day that we left, um, the night before we left, you know, I, I was helping him. He, he, he was getting ready to take a bath, and, he, and they have a, a walk-in shower in their bathroom, um, he and my mom. And, and as I was thinking between services, I thought about that. I said, you know, I remember when the conversation a couple of years ago was about that walk-in bath. And my dad was like, we're not spending that kind of money to get a walk-in bath. I can get in the bath just fine. I don't know. He had some arthritis issues, but, you know, he and mom were in pretty good shape. And God just reminded me of that conversation. Somehow, someway, I wasn't there. I wasn't in on all the conversation. I don't know how mama got him to do it, but he bought it. And that was a couple of years ago. But as I was helping him prepare to take his bath just the other night. I couldn't help but think this morning as I was thinking back on that. See, God knew then what he would need now. How many times have we missed what God's best for us is because we did not just follow his will, that we did not heed his direction, that because we couldn't see things coming out like I wanted to see it, I refused to go in the path in which he was making for me. 
How many times have we been guilty of that? How many times have we missed out on God's best because we are intent upon pursuing what we want? He sends people around us to tell us. His word speaks to us. We come into a service like this and we get a word of knowledge that we, that we know. We write it down in our Bible, underline it, highlight it. But when it doesn't come to pass fast enough, when it doesn't happen when we think it should, we go in another direction or we give up on it. Or sometimes, and I've seen this sadly happen sometimes, we just totally give up on the faith altogether. But you know, our God is a good God. And he is gracious. He is merciful. He is just. And he was that way with Zechariah. Because as we continue to read in Zechariah, you know, as we go over, in, over into Luke, when that baby was born, that baby was John the Baptist, the one that was coming to prepare the way for Jesus to Christ. And when he was born, we look over on verse number 61 and 62. You see, the baby did come to pass, and all this time, Zechariah could not speak. He had to write out things that he needed to say to people. But when the baby was born on the eighth day, the Bible says that they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is to be John. And the people were confused. They was like, no, because, you know, this is a priest, and we're going to name him after the priest because he's going to be a priest. And they went and asked the father. They went and got Zechariah, even though he couldn't speak, because they said, surely he would set this straight. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just adding my own thoughts. In. Surely he would get this straight. He would let, no, let Elizabeth know, no, no, this child needs to be named Zechariah. But look in verse number 62. So they motioned to his father to find out what he wanted him to be called. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they were all amazed. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free and he began to speak. And you know what he did when he began to speak? He praised God. He is near. He is near no matter your situation. He is near no matter the problem. He is near no matter. I want to close simply with a series of questions. The first question is simply this. Do you struggle with waiting? Take your note-taking material. Get your pen. If you don't have one, there's one in the seat in front of you. You might want to write that question down and the answer to it. Do you struggle with waiting? Why would I ask such a question? Because I know personally, from personal experience, if you struggle with waiting like I do sometimes... I go to other things to medicate what I think I ought to have. 
I go in another direction, full force, because I'm just tired of waiting. I struggle with waiting. If you answer that question like, yes, I do, or a lot of times I do, then the second question pertains to you. How can you practice this difficult discipline during this season? I'm talking about the discipline of waiting. How can you practice? This is a question that I believe we need to ask God. And I believe God will give us an answer if we earnestly ask him. Yes, Lord, you know me. You know how I am and how I get. You know when the bank account gets low, how I go into panic mode. You know how I start getting short with my, with my wife because I'm, I, I can't, I, you know, I, I'm just, I can't, I, I just lost the ability to trust, on you, trust in you. And many times she's sitting there looking at me like, what is your problem? You know. Yes, Lord, I do struggle. So show me, Lord, how can I practice this difficult discipline during this season? One of the things he gave to me personally is, Derek, you need to concentrate more on giving than getting. Because when you're all about getting and you don't get, that's when you go into that mode. But if you will keep your eyes focused on giving, if you will keep your attitude of giving, you'll stay out of that trap. How can you practice? Maybe, maybe he wants to speak to us and tell us, you know, yeah, okay, you get all up into the Christmas spirit and, and, there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but don't forget your time with me. You may, to be, you, you may need to be a little bit more diligent in carving out that time with him in order to practice this discipline of waiting. Next two questions get a little harder. You see the third one up there. Some of you are already going to it already. And I want to challenge you on this. Take out your paper. Write the answer to this question. What prayers seem unheard by God? Yeah, I'm talking about that one. What prayers seem unheard by God? I'm talking about the one that you've just given up on. The one you said, okay, never would that come to pass. The one that you used to have daily in your prayer. But because you've heard maybe not an answer or maybe not the answer you want to hear, you've let it go. And the final question, those serving community can go ahead and start preparing the elements. The final question, in what ways do you need for God to do the impossible in your life? You know, verse number 37, when we were looking at the angels, Gabriel's response to Mary, he did tell her to consider your relative Elizabeth as a real-life testimony to his power, to his grace, to his mercy, to his compassion. 
All she had to do was look over at her relative Elizabeth. See what I've done there? And God has given many of us examples in our own lives to say, see, see what I've done? He's given it to her in our own personal life. You see, you remember what I did back then? But there was a, there's a last verse that the angel told Mary. And it was simply this, for nothing will be impossible with God. So don't be shy, don't hesitate. Whatever that is that you need God to show up, write it down. Underline it. Highlight it. Bring it back before the Lord. Remember, he answered according to his will, according to his purpose. He will answer it out of his love for you. That's a biggie there. He will answer it out of his love for you. Oh, truth be told, if I got everything the way I wanted it, when I wanted it, I probably wouldn't be standing right here today. But because he loved me so much, and he loves you just as much, he loves you just as much. Nothing will be impossible with him.